Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Miesler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30 minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 207. Going to start off with security news. The Pentagon is developing a cybersecurity maturity model for its vendors with five levels that correspond to the sensitivity of data being protected. This, I think, is extremely overdue. Um, you've got vendors out there with data that is not protected. And uh, so many of these breaches that we see actually come from third parties. So they're going to say, based on what you have of the governments, you have to protect it at that level, which I think is yeah quite overdue and uh, look forward to seeing how it actually rolls out. The media is absolutely freaking out over people's ring cameras getting broken into by random people on the internet. They're basically screaming it's a hacking apocalypse, right? Which it isn't, really. It's people using horrible passwords, like usual. And the only thing that makes ring cameras a popular target is that they're popular cameras. It's the passwords that are the actual problem. And until we deprecate their use altogether, we will continue to see this with popular products. Um, related story I saw on this was actually that Ring is doing some really, I guess, innovative slash nasty stuff. They're getting together with police departments and throwing these giant parties. So they're basically teaming up with local police departments to turn Ring cameras into like neighborhood watch and feeding data directly to police and pulling, you know, and sharing that data and going both directions, really. So they're building this like security partnership with local police departments and turning things into like a surveillance version of neighborhood watch. And it's super smart. It's going well. Obviously the cameras are selling well. It's, it's also Amazon. So they're good at that. But I think overall the strategy is, is working for them and it's resulting in lots of ring cameras. So I, I think uh, that just puts more cameras out there and no one has really solved the alternative to passwords problem. And, you know, you have default passwords, you have easy to guess passwords, uh, which is most passwords are either default or easy to guess. And you end up in the situation that we're in now. Someone stole a bunch of corporate hard drives from a Facebook payroll employee's car. And the drives contained payroll data for thousands of other Facebook employees. It was uh, actually against policy for them to take the drives off site in the first place. And uh, I guess they know why now. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't take that stuff out. I assume it wasn't encrypted. Um, I'm not sure they would have announced it if it were. Thieves are using Bluetooth scanners to find expensive electronics inside vehicles. I knew this was possible because I've been a scanner geek for a long time, but I just downloaded this app called Bluetooth BLE for iOS, and it's uh, yeah, quite enlightening. The apps are way better than I would have expected. They they actually just show you in real time, like all the different Bluetooth. It shows you the actual vendor, shows you the name of the device. And uh, they pr even provides like a, a radar kind of, it's just a good aesthetic and uh, quite accurate, quite sensitive. And evidently what they're doing is they're just walking around parking lots with these things or, you know, wherever cars are. 
and finding the devices that they want and, and doing like targeted break-ins to, to find expensive gear. So, um, yeah, I've suddenly started Googling for like Faraday backpacks because evidently that's a thing that we need now. Half of workers just use the same password with a slight modification when they are forced to change it. Half seems really low to me for this. This seems like this should be way more than half, probably more like 75% or 90%. Um, they should change this to half of people admit to using the same password with a slight modification. I think that would be more accurate. Palantir just got a $111 million contract with the U.S. Army to connect HR, supply chains, and other Army operations into a single dashboard. They also took over the Project Maven project uh, from Google because Google's employees basically rebelled and said, we do not want to participate in this, which is basically, if I remember correctly, it's like facial recognition on drones and like data sharing and a bunch of, you know, stuff like that. And uh, basically it was considered gross by Google employees. They um, objected and protested. And so Google did not renew. And uh, Palantir swooped in and took that one over as well. Evidently, they're like a billion-dollar company at this point, and they're trying to branch out and not just do government contracts and do a lot more private stuff as well, but they're in tons of police departments. They're basically doing everything that's both super cool and super gross, uh, combining AI, facial recognition, like future prediction, pattern recognition. It's, um, yeah, creepy crawly, but also kind of cool, so... Obviously, that's why they have a lot of people working for them and investing in them. More work is being done on using Wi-Fi, not to just see through walls, but to actually identify the individuals on the other side by analyzing how they walk. Keep thinking of the total recall scene uh, where Schwarzenegger's on the other side of that scanner. But that was actually to detect weapons, not to detect the individual by their gait. But that's what this is. Um the thing that we need to think about here is that it's all about sensors and AI, right? That's the entire game here. Forget cameras and microphones. That's just a camera is just, you know, visual, you know, wavelengths of a sensor, right? Microphones are, you know, vibrations in air for a sensor. But think of the multiple, multiple different types of sensors that you can actually have in and receive data from an environment. And imagine finding the je ne sais quoi in all of these inputs to arrive at an assessment, right? So you have obviously vision, you have sound, but there's air pressure, there's smells, there's chemicals, there's um, non-visible wavelengths, right? Across the whole spectrum, radio, um, Wi-Fi here, obviously. And I mean, we're doing things like bouncing Wi-Fi off people's faces, bouncing it off their chest to detect when their heart is beating and how fast it's beating and correlating that with the um, emotion that appears to be on their face based on emotion recognition by looking at facial expression. Like that is the level that we're at. And we're heading towards a place where it's sensors everywhere. Forget cameras everywhere. It's sensors everywhere. The sensors are bouncing Wi-Fi, the active and passive, right? So bouncing Wi-Fi off of all the people that are going through, looking at the way they walk, looking, does it look like they have a weapon? Do they look guilty? Um, do they look like they're nervous? Um, emotions. I, I mean, a city's going to be able to say, how happy are the people going through this train station? 
Um, do they seem more nervous than usual? How do we correlate to that, that to, you know, a news cycle or something? This is insane stuff. Um, and for police departments, I mean, looking through buildings, um, sending a drone with tons of sensors, mounting all these sensors throughout a city. This is really the game. Massive sensors combined with massive number of ML algorithms looking at the sensor data. Um, this is something I talked about in my book in whatever, 2016, 2017, but I've been talking about this forever. It's all about stacking multiple sensor types with hundreds or thousands of different algorithms looking at the same feed. As long as you have all that different sensor data for the algorithms to look at, they will be able to pull things out. And then it's just a matter of combining those different feeds into the story, right? And then presenting that in some kind of interface. And this is this is what consumers want. This is what governments definitely want. And just like the Palantir stuff, it's super cool. Everyone wants it. It's awesome. It's going to help people. It's going to help people tell if they're being lied to. It's going to be able to help people judge if they should trust the story or not. Um, it's going to help them know if they should walk into a neighborhood or down a street or it's going to help them. It's decision support, right? Based on lots of different factors, everything being seen right now from the environment. Should I do this or should I do that? And that is a powerful thing. Hacker One paid a $20,000 bounty to the researcher who discovered that an analyst accidentally sent him a curl command with his admin key embedded or admin token. Many think this was a dumb move, but uh, paying for a bounty for something legitimizes the activity and makes it sound like the whole thing was part of the plan. I think it's smart on their part to go ahead and pay the bounty. It basically just looks like any other vuln, and it's not like they were extorted by a researcher or something. Um, yeah, I mean, people make mistakes. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Axios assembled a set of examples of how deepfakes are threatening businesses, which is more evidence that I was right about this one at the end of 2017, that basically deepfakes are about to really mess with our perception of truth and reality. And I think everyone's saying this now, and there are people saying it, you know, uh, with me as well. It's uh, it's interesting. The, the Gruck had a comment about this that it's not about deepfakes; it's about cheap fakes. To me, there's really no difference. As deepfakes become cheap, it's all just about fakes, right? And uh, you can actually just produce complete garbage, not created by an AI, and it'll still work, right? Uh, you look at Fox News. It's uh, it's complete garbage. People believe it. It's not particularly well crafted. So um, it, you don't need like this advanced, you know, super smart technique to trick people. They just have to want to believe the thing that you're selling, and and it works pretty well regardless of quality. So I agree with him that cheap fakes are really the thing. But the better deep fakes get, or the better fakes get, the more the cheap fakes will have the quality of deep fakes. That's just the, the technology getting better and better. And the bar for what people will accept doesn't change that much. I don't think it will change that much. So more and more stuff will be above the bar and will be accepted as true. And uh, when you have a population that can't tell the difference between truth and fiction already, this just compounds the problem. Chrome is going to start scanning your passwords for breaches. It's pretty cool. I assume they're just matching the username 
and seeing if there's a breach associated with that username. A woman connected Amazon recognition to a public feed in Amsterdam and walked in front of it to see if it would recognize her from a picture she previously provided. So she basically fed recognition just a regular picture of herself. She noticed this camera that was facing this giant open square in the middle of Amsterdam, and she hooked up recognition to the feed or hooked the feed into recognition, and then she just walked in front of the camera out in public. And sure enough, it identified her. And in fact, it was able to do so from like a really like obscured pixelated version of her as well. And uh, it, it was really cool analysis. You should check out the link. In 2021, the U.S. is getting a new three-number suicide prevention line, which is 988. So instead of 911, it's 988. And this replaces the regular seven-digit number that's in place now. Or maybe it's 10 digits because it's 800-something. Advisories, critical WordPress plugin flaws, NPM, Samba, and Adobe. Companies, FireEye has launched a new um, operational technology threat intelligence service. Fortinet has acquired a SOAR platform called Cyberspons. And technology news. Google has rolled out its iMessage competitor across all carriers. So we'll see how that gets adopted. 90% of tech job growth is happening in Boston, San Francisco, Bay Area, Seattle, and San Diego. So that is, well, mostly West Coast, except for Boston, and mostly California, except for Seattle and Boston. WireGuard is coming natively to Linux, which is my favorite implementation by far of a VPN. Researchers in Poland were able to predict the chances of someone having a car accident by looking at a picture of their house. Just from the outside, take a picture of their house and predict their chances of having a car accident, which was basically a combination data analysis against insurance rates. Pretty interesting research. So Lyft has launched their car rental service in LA and the SF Bay Area. It's a welcome development for me. I think the rental industry is nasty and was begging for disruption. So I'm glad to see that this is uh, now out there. Hopefully Uber and Lyft will replace those companies because I, I don't like dealing with them. Adobe made over $11 billion in fiscal year 2019, which is, is uh, its best year by far. And uh, yeah, they're doing really well. I'm a subscriber to CC, whatever it is, Creative Suite. And uh, doing really well. They're doing all the facial recognition stuff. They're doing the... Um, Photoshop on iPad and just a whole bunch of different stuff. Human news. Gallup just finished an interesting study on mental and physical health perceptions in the U.S. The main finding is that how healthy people feel, both mentally and physically, is directly correlated to their income and education. Nearly nine-tenths of people in households making more than $100,000 rate their health positively, which is around 87%. And only 47% of the same who live in households making less than 40 grand rate themselves as uh, positively healthy in both mental and physical. So 87% versus 47% based on the cutoffs of 100K for a household and 40,000, 40K for a household. It's a pretty big jump. And got a quick assessment here to see how much psychological safety 
um, basically exists within a team. And the psychological safety is defined as the feeling that people can suggest ideas, admit mistakes, and take risks without being embarrassed by the larger group. This is super essential. It's something I really care about on my team. And uh, it's actually what Google found was the most important predictor of individual success was being on a team where psychological safety was prioritized and and, uh, present. Poor Americans are selling their blood a lot, with one study finding that the average blood seller gets one-third of their income from selling their blood a third of their income from selling their blood. A lot of people are getting rejected because they're like anemic and dehydrated. It's, it's nasty. Russia has been banned from the 2020 Olympics due to their tampering with anti-doping databases. Yeah. So tampering with anti-doping databases, this is a thing that's been going on for some time. There's a documentary about it. I think it was related to cycling, but it might've been Olympics overall, but yeah, really common problem going on here. And again, they've been pushed out. I'm not sure if it's only the people who were implicated in the database or if it's all. I think that was a little bit unclear from the article. Ideas, trends, and analysis. Got a few essays here that um, I've written recently and and an old one. So I got this one called Life Casting, What It Is and How It Will Change Society, which is one of my first tech prediction essays. It's all the way back from 2002. Pretty interesting what I got wrong and right in this. You should check it out. Again, it's called Life Casting, What It Is and How It Will Change Society. And it is in the newsletter as well. America's tech workers need to choose between helping our military versus enabling China's dystopia. This is my recent essay on how life often requires us to consider the context when trying to do the right thing. The Wonder of Entropy, a short love letter to one of the most interesting concepts in math and physics, which is entropy. Wrote that piece like a week ago. And the wonderful ads of Wired. This is just a really quick analysis of a Wired magazine that I was reading in bed, a physical dead tree version. And I was just looking at all these ads. I think there was like 20 something ads. And uh, basically you could tell a lot about a piece of media and yourself by the ads that you're reading while consuming that media. Had a crazy idea this morning that I don't actually believe, but thought would be a great book idea, which is what if all these local municipality hacking and ransomware like incidents were part of a government resilience exercise? So they basically hire a bunch of hackers to go after these targets in order to immunize them since policy and education clearly isn't working. So you basically, you build like this resilience force, which just constantly batters on our internal infrastructure, you know, cities, you know, utilities, whatever, and just smashes them using actual, you know, bad actor techniques. And then of course, probably using a different group goes in and helps them or supplies money for consulting or something. So you're basically blue teaming as well. Um, But your red team is basically just smashing using the actual techniques, you know, in in a very aggressive way. and they have the permission and the authority to actually take the services down. So it's interesting to think about what limits that group might have. And again, I'm not saying this exists. Um, I think it'd be interesting if it did. And it'd also be a great book if it did. But I think this is, it goes back to the concept of, of resilience, right? Where you really want a lot of small pokes 
against your defenses. You want to fall over many times so you can learn and get stronger. Because if we were to not be attacked at all and not have all these small compromises against our infrastructure, we have no way of learning. You know, failure is learning. And it would be really bad if some big state actor just came in and took over everything at the same time because they could just walk in, as opposed to having all of us get destroyed multiple times. So actually, we do start learning the patch, start using some basic, you know, anti-malware and doing some logging and monitoring and detection and response. Like, there's no better way than to actually expose them to that pain than to actually do it to them. And again, I'm not saying that we are actually doing this, but I wish we were. What are our options for cognitive enhancement? This is a pretty cool story, basically looking at alternatives to you know psilocybin, other drugs, basically. How can you do it naturally? A new chart of the best English speakers in the world. Some fascinating analysis on the rise of podcasting and what most people are actually using it for. One in five Americans now use a health app or wearable tracker. One in five. And 70% of the U.S. is now on Facebook. That's why they keep building over there. Keep building more buildings. They have lots of money. Updates. One of the threads I posted in a previous show was a list of really great resources. And when falling down that rabbit hole, I found some genetics blogs, which pointed to a genetics podcast, which I listened to for a while. And they eventually led me to a book by David Reich called Who Are We and How We Got Here? or who we are and how we got here. And I just got done reading that. And now I'm about to go read a book called Blueprint, which I don't know how I found that one. But um, yeah, really cool genetic stuff. I actually did an extended 23andMe um, panel based on uh, just wanting to know more. And I'm going to do a full genome soon. So if anyone knows any really good full genome services, I'm looking for one. I wish it was in 23andMe because... I'd rather not have my data stolen from multiple places, rather have it stolen from just one. Uh, I think I'm about to get into some washlet. Actually, it's kind of a bidet, actually. Pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Talk about a quality of life upgrade. This seems to be the thing. Uh, Ever since visiting Japan a number of times a few years ago, I've been wondering, would it be possible to have this in the US? And I think it's time to actually try it. So anyone has experience there, let me know. I think I know which one I'm going to get, actually. I think it's a Toto something. But yeah, it's a New York Times piece um, reminding me of this, which is linked in the newsletter. Have like a week left for delivery of Model 3, but they've been saying that for a number of weeks, so it'll probably be in August of 2027. But I've been doing heavy research on mods, uh, not trying to look like a 22-year-old. So the mods will be relatively subtle, but my current considerations are soundproofing, tinting, chrome deletion, not everywhere, but some uh, possible lowering and front lip for additional stability, better ride and additional range. It actually magnifies your range by doing this because less air causing friction underneath um, interior wrapping to make everything match the carbon fiber stuff. And evidently there's lots of complaints about the black interior that comes with it in terms of fingerprints and scratches and stuff. Uh, trunk pistons for automatically opening trunk, uh, both front and back. And then uh, floor mats, screen protector, which is evidently essential, and possible steering wheel change or mod. 
And remember, if you end up getting a Tesla of any type, please use my code. And uh, we both get free 1,000 miles of gas. Some gas. And I ordered a Beast of a Mac Pro with the new Beast of a Monitor. And we'll be creating a lot more video. Uh, along with my buddy Jason, we um, are getting quite obsessed with like video production and like what it looks like on the screen and where you put your face and where you have the logo and the actual content and what's moving, what's not moving. There's a whole space around this and it's uh, pretty interesting. I'm not really into streaming, so, but I'm thinking about using like the production style of streaming to do my regular like uh, tutorial type content but with a different production style that's more engaging. So I'm going to be experimenting with the stuff and it'll be cool to uh, render that stuff on the Mac pro have not had a desktop in a long time. I've always been using a laptop as my desktop for like the last 12 or 15 years. So I'm transitioning away from that. Probably going to sell this laptop and switch down eventually to like a Mac, um, MacBook or a MacBook air, something cheaper and lighter, more portable. And then just have the desktop for the house and also have an iPad pro. So, uh, I might just use that for a laptop for quite a while, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I think it gets here at the end of January or something. Um, discovery. So how Unix works or how to become a better software engineer, how Salesforce hires engineers. Listle, L I S T L E is an app that turns news feeds into audio. I've tried a couple of different things. Richard Feynman, pretty cool stuff. Highest paying tech jobs of 2019. Some of these are ridiculous. Go's major advantages are balance and flexibility, not simplicity. I think the next tool I write, I might try to do it in Go, as opposed to Python or Bash. How Best Buy survived when everyone else didn't. A sequel, Crime Scene Mystery. And Reverse TCP Shell, a new Red Team tool by Zhacker13. Recommendation of the week, at the end of a presentation, Instead of saying any questions, instead ask, what questions do you have for me? Evidently, this gets you way better response. And the aphorism for the week, life without the courage for death is slavery. Life without the courage for death is slavery. Seneca. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe ads are not just annoying, but that their incentive structure is toxic to the content creation process. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter each week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here in the podcast. You also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmeesler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. Each of you is helping support a model of content creation that we really need right now. And I appreciate you greatly. We'll see you next time.